Here at the Holy Hive Show, we consider ourselves to be a jolly, wholesome group of people, but we feel the need to remind you, the listener, that our show does contain uh, strong language. We tend to discuss adult themes, and every now and then we'll take part in the occasional satanic ritual. So, you know, please use discretion. Thank you. All right, we are back for the Holy Hive show. First show of 2021. We took a little bit of a hiatus uh, to get some things together, get, 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 get organized for the new year. Uh, happy 21, 2021, Dan. How's it Thank going? you. Happy 2021 to you too. It's going pretty well. Uh, only 12 yeah. days in and, you know, we've already had some violent insurrection. We've already had some more COVID. We've got, you know, just about everything you could expect from the follow-up to 2020. Yeah, years changed, but we're still very much on brand here. That's right. Um, so uh, we're actually working on some, uh, doing some interactive segments that we want to get into the podcast. So we're going to actually be doing a lot of uh, questions, like polls and stuff like that, that we're going to be uh, putting out through our Instagram stories and Twitter polls. So if you haven't yet, give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at Holy Hive Utah. And yeah, two weeks into 2021. I think now, I mean, it probably sounds like a little bit of a tired topic this far into 2021, but I wanted to talk about it anyways. New Year's resolutions. Yeah. And the reason why I wanted to talk about it is because uh, this is about the time where we start giving up on those New Year's <laughs> yeah, resolutions. Truly. Have you uh, set any goals for yourself this year, Dan? You know, I forgot to do that until like right up and, you know, on the precipice of, of 2021 it was probably like a couple of hours before. And I was like, Oh, I should probably set a couple of goals for myself. Um, so I just, uh, was like, I'm going to complete one Spanish lesson at least on Duolingo every day for the whole year. Um, nice. so far I'm, I got a mean 199 day streak going. So, you know, it shouldn't right be, on. shouldn't be, uh, too much harder than that, I guess. But yeah. And so then I really, I really want to listen to more music this year. That's not real. There's no real like yes. tangible goal there, but I was really saddened yeah. by my uh, Spotify wrapped when it came out and I was like, Oh shit, I didn't listen to like <laughs> any music this year. So just yeah. those two things. I actually was thinking about that too. Uh, as far as like listening to music, because I get into a mode so often when I'm like trying to work or something, I just want to throw something on. And then I get into the paralysis by analysis mode where I'm just browsing Spotify, trying to find everything. And so the, the kind of my, my approach to that this year is to uh, go down the Rolling Stones top 500 albums of all time and just listen to them straight through. I like it. Yeah. I think that's a good, good way uh, yeah. to get some diversity in your listening. Right. Yeah. And they just updated it for 2020. I think they updated it. The first one came out in 2005. And I think they've updated it every like five years since then. So they just came out with one for 2020. Um, so there are like a, a few artists from like the past couple of years that made it on there so far. I've only got through one album though. It was a uh, arcade fire. I can't remember what album it was though. I think neon Bible. No, it was an older one. Is it, is it, they have an album called funeral? Maybe I'm not, like the, I'm not the, I'm not super knowledgeable about arcade fire. Yeah. I just threw them all, all the albums into a playlist and just hit play. But the, the arcade out al the arcade fire album was really good. It was fire. Very nice. <laughs> um yeah other than that though it's just like i think i think my biggest thing and this is probably the most uh obvious new year's resolution but man covid hit me in the weight department pretty hard 
Oh yeah. Like I, I, I gained some COVID weight. Part of that, I don't, you know, I don't want to put all the blame on COVID because COVID isn't out to get me personally, but this quarantine has, has been tough. But I think a lot of it has just been depression eating. And yeah. Eating, you know, for sure. J- just trying to uh, deal with the onslaught of chaos going on between, you know, the media and um, just the stuff happening, happening in our country right now. I, I kind of blame that too, but then, you know, I, I should be really blaming my own, uh, my own um, personal uh, discipline for that. Uh, but I was, I was thinking about, you know, what are, what are some different kind of creative ways that I can approach shedding some pounds? And I kind of came across, I, I kind of, I, I came across this idea of maybe creating an OnlyFans for my weight loss. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's some true like, nudity. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to like model my naked body on, on the internet. Um, I, I don't think I'm that confident, but you know what? I could choose a, a couple, I could get a line of speedos maybe. And just, you know, take, I'm, I'm talking about before and after pictures, like progress pictures. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, no one's going to want to pay for that. So what, how does, how does the pay system work for my weight loss only fans? I think the way we do that is like you donate a dollar. I do 20 push ups or I run a mile. And so we have people donating to the OnlyFans, and then I just have a list of exercise that I have to do to keep up with my donations. It's like, that's I think that's good. Idea. That's a good pricing tier system setup. Yeah. I'll have to figure it out completely. I don't know. A, a, a mile of running is worth more than a dollar. I think. Oh, absolutely. To, to run a mile. And then, and then whatever you want to do with the progress photos in your own personal time, and you know, it's up to you. <laughs> um, so since we last talked, which was uh, in December, uh, we've had some changes and some updates to the, uh, the, the effect of COVID-19 on our state. Um, so let's just go over that real quick. Well, what's been going on in, in COVID land? Well, in terms of the changes, the big change is that we're actually seeing needles going into arms with vaccines. Um, and that's a, that's, yeah. a, that's a huge positive and not in the COVID positive sort of way. So, I mean, you know, that's really starting to ramp up now. Um, there wasn't a big Thanksgiving bump like we discussed in our previous shows, but it seems like there was quite a large Christmas bump. Uh, pretty understandable. Yeah. Christmas is such a family-oriented holiday. Like, everybody mm-hmm. sac- seemed to have sacrificed over Thanksgiving, and then, you know, Christmas was just a bridge too far, I think. But, uh, yeah. You know, yeah. hopefully now that the holidays are done, we can treat January as I always do and just kind of be antisocial and curl up into a blanket and hopefully get these numbers really, really squashed. Um, For sure. In terms of more like recent uh, developments, our our most recent seven day average is kind of hovering around that 3000 mark. It seems like that's like the spot that we've just been living for a few weeks now. Um, yeah. But today, the 12th of January, uh, was our first day under 20% for our positivity rate in over a month. So that's a, wow. that's a, a positive, I guess. Um, I got uh, other states are yeah. freaking out about like 6%. So me freaking out about, I mean, me being like 19% chill is a bit worrying, but hey, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, the vaccines, man, that's the big one. And that's going to mm-hmm. be, that's going to be uh, dominating the news and, and all that sort of COVID stuff. So. Yeah. And I, I don't want to, this is a, this is a total rumor that I just heard word of mouth. So don't, don't go fact checking me on this, but I've heard that there's some counties in Utah who, whose citizens are very uh, anti-vaccine and 
they maybe aren't looking to get the vaccine. And so they got a lot of vaccines sitting around. So in some counties where that's going on, we could possibly be seeing um, a citizen roll out a lot faster because they're sitting on, you know, yeah. product with shelf life and they want to give it to someone. So like, if you don't want it, then we're just going to give it to citizens. Yeah. That um, is interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for it. Whenever it's available, I'll, I'll, I'm on it. Yeah. I mean, in terms of the rollout, I think that it, as, as everything COVID related, there is a, a quote unquote phased approach to it. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're doing the, uh, we've got the first responders, healthcare, teachers, those are all people, long-term care facility, uh, residents and staffers. Those are all people who can get it right now. Um, starting next Monday, mm-hmm. anyone over the age of 70 in Utah can get the vaccine. Um, and then oh, I right guess on. we'll just, we'll just go from there. I think they'll probably just roll down the age, you know, go decade by decade and, and they'll probably yeah. mix in some like uh, pre-existing condition stuff in there somewhere, but yeah, that's, that's the way it's going right now. So, so it's looking up, Man. I guess. I can just, I can imagine as soon as, you know, what if they just started announcing it by generation? It's like, okay, it's, it's boomer month in the vaccine <laughs> era. All you boomers get out to the clinics and get vaccinated. If that's the case, man, when millennial uh, vaccine week comes and all of us and our friends are getting vaccinated, it's going to be party time after that. That's right. <laughs> well, at we least after the second dose. We <laughs> won't, we won't, the millennials won't get actual vaccines. They'll just get participation trophies and uh, <laughs> Partici- co- participation vaccines. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, if I, I think, so I predicted a, f- a few episodes ago that this rollout would happen faster than I thought, just because I think that's the way the business moves. People want to make money off these vaccines. So they're going to try to produce a lot, but w- how much would you, if you could pay to get the vaccine, how much would you pay to get it right now? Oh, um, $500. You would, you would, you would see that as a sound investment, $500 right now to get the vaccine. Yeah, probably $500. I mean, like, I'm moving later this month. I can't, I, I don't have as much flexibility in my spending. So yeah. probably about 500. <laughs> yeah. What, I, what about I, you? Yeah. Oh man. Well, see the, I think the other, the other side of that conversation is like, if we get it now before everyone else gets it, what is life like moving forward? Is it just like, you know, we still have to quarantine just because there's not much to do. Like, I'm not going to go to a store with my mask off or anything and be like, I'm vaccinated. Yeah, I mean, exactly. You know? You're you're going to get yelled at by people. Um, uh-huh. And that, that's part of my reasoning when I saw this question in, in the, the show prep, like I, I was like, well, most of the reason I want to be vaccinated is so that I can hang out with people and do things uh-huh. that were normal. And I can't really do that until everybody's vaccinated anyway. So yeah, so it's just like, I definitely want it right now. And I would get uh-huh. it right now. But yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't go too far for it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think if I, if I could get it right now, uh, yeah, I would, I would dig into savings a little bit and maybe pull out some money. I would, yeah. 500 to seven, seven fifty if I couldn't use my insurance to, yeah. to maybe get the vaccine. Yeah, for sure. Um, so another exciting thing besides COVID that's been happening since uh, we last were on the show, uh, we got a new governor. We did. And I think the bulk of the podcast today is going to kind of be dedicated to looking at where we're at with our new governor and kind of the promises that he's been making, not only like on the campaign trail, but as, as of the last week, cause he was not, he was, uh, inaugurated 
in on January 4th, I think. So, so early last week or even the week before, was it? I can't remember. I don't have a calendar in front of me. Uh, it, he was just inaugurated. And in the last week, he's uh, released a budget plan. And uh, his cabinet has made some statements on how uh, our new governor plans to rule. So today, we got Cox on the mind. Yeah, we do. Got Cox on the mind. <laughs> uh, so new governor, after 12 long, long years under the rule of Gar- Governor Gary Herbert, Utah finally has a new governor. And the ceremony held in Southern Utah at Tuacon Amphitheater. By the way, I thought that was a pretty cool move, holding it at Tuacon. Have you ever been down there? Been, been down there? I have not been to Tuacon, no. I never have. It's pretty, it's, it's pretty cool. It's like this it's uh, a, Red Rock amphitheater. Yeah, it's a nice amphitheater for sure. I've seen lots of pictures, but never been there myself. Yeah, I think it's underutilized though. I, when I was uh, living and working down in St. George, I'd gone to, to a con a couple of times. They'll like have uh, concerts there, but it's always like the concerts that you'd find at Sandy Amphitheater, where mm-hmm. it's, like the, it's like two of the Beach Boys and their new revival band. <laughs> or I think like uh, Leanne Rimes was playing there one time uh but other than that it's just like they put on these stage plays there's a there's a theater company down there and they'll do like essentially their creative strategy is like let's just do stage renditions of disney movies yeah that's my understanding yeah i mean fine that's cool but like i think you know if they wanted to we could have our own like little red rocks down there if they actually wanted to like put some cool concerts down there um but in any case it's a really beautiful amphitheater and that's where uh uh, Spencer Cox decided to have the inauguration. Um, and so he was sworn in as the 18th governor of Utah alongside his lieutenant governor, Deidre Henderson. In her address, Henderson put an emphasis on equality and the importance of citizens having a voice. And I thought her speech was pretty interesting. Um, she she talked, about, uh, talked a lot about, I mean, herself being a woman in, in politics, especially in a very male-dominated Utah. Um, how important it is to have representatives of each group, especially minority groups at the table. I want to assure all Utahns that there's room at the table for you. In fact, that promise already exists in our state's founding documents. Your place at the table shall not be denied. To fail in this would mean fundamentally falling short of the basic American promise In the words of Bobby Kennedy, we must recognize the full human equality of all our people before God, before the law, and in the councils of government. We must do this not because it is economically advantageous, although it is, not because the laws of God command it, although they do. We must do it for the single and fundamental reason that it is the right thing to do. I actually liked it. I liked the the speech that she gave. Sometimes I think with these speeches, though, they meander a little bit. So it's like, I'm going to make a point, but I'm going to hammer that point in for 10 straight minutes. Yeah. With like parables and stories. Spencer Cox did the same thing. Obviously, we're, we're probably going to skim past a lot of that and focus on the, the meat of what their what their speeches were uh, trying to say. But I, I really liked the, the the part about citizens having a voice because something that I think Gary Herbert was lacking big time was a connection with like citizens and a way to um, take in what citizens were saying and actually like be responsive to what people were thinking. Um, And it seems like as we start to get younger leaders, I mean, I think Spencer Cox is 44 or 45 or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's on the younger side of politics. Um, we're, We're seeing a lot more 
uh, technology savvy leaders, people that are that know how to use you know Twitter and and not get banned. Yeah, <laughs> know how to use Twitter <laughs> yeah. productively. Um, and and so so I I really appreciated that sentiment from her in in in, in wanting and looking for that that feedback from Utah citizens. Yeah, and I hope that they're serious about it too. Um, we'll dive into what Spencer Cox said in a bit, I'm sure, but like. Mm-hmm. I do hope that they don't take uh, criticism or people voicing their opinions or concerns as divisiveness, um, because I do think that there is the tendency to do that on every side of every single aisle in the whole world, um, because I do think that it is important that that people have a place at the table, regardless of of how prominent their role is within the state. Um, And so I hope that they take that seriously and I think they deserve the benefit of the doubt in that they will. For sure. And, and I think that's, that's what, why we wanted to focus on the inauguration and, and this administration for this podcast, because that has been a big problem in exchanging feedback between leaders and citizens where it's like always taken to this extreme. And as someone who at least in, in, in uh, social issues, and that was a big, big part of the politics of last year, um, lean, I lean kind of left, a little more liberal, but I'm constantly annoyed by people on the left, like, and not to turn this into this like whole meta conversation about politics, we're going to just talk about our governor here, but like, it does annoy me when it's like, you know, someone presents a solution and instead of letting them get that solution out and, 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 and work on it, we just start poking holes in it immediately. And we do that on, on Twitter and stuff like that. I don't. Th- I think it would be very different if someone actually had to stand and give a speech in opposition to something that the governor said, you know, but on Twitter, we just like, boom, 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 send. Um, and so, yeah, I would say, you know, you're probably not going to like everything that they say. A lot of it, I think most of it's probably stuff that people don't even care about. We'll get into a lot of the specific points of uh, Cox's uh, uh, budget and what he's focusing on. Um, but yeah, I think just like, you know, give them a chance, see what they have to say and just be thankful that they're opening up the dialogue and that they're willing to like, listen to citizens and have that back and forth because our last governor (laughs) felt like he was just asleep at the wheel for like eight years, 12 years, 12 whole years. Um, and of course, I mean, I, 2008 Twitter was brand new and so. Uh, as as technology advanced, Governor Herbert was already just like an old dude. Yeah, it's not like he's going to learn Twitter and all that stuff. He had a Twitter page, but I doubt he ran it. Um, so yeah, I really appreciate them uh, uh, putting a, putting an emphasis on that. Um, and then after the swearing in of the Lieutenant Governor Deidre Henderson, uh, they had a performance by the BYU Young Ambassadors. Did you, did you know about these guys? No. No, I, I was, <laughs> I was, I was actually, so I was watching the, 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 uh, the inauguration and they, they swear, uh, Henderson in, and then they cut to this video, which was pre-made and they just played, uh, you know, over the, uh, the screens there. And it was like a glee club from BYU yeah. singing one of these really, really old cheesy. I don't know if it's a gospel song or if it's like a patriotic song. It seemed, I don't know. It was like very much like you're not going to be left behind. That's what like the, it was like, we're going to pick you up. And it was very confusing to me. Like, yeah, <laughs> like they did. It reminded me so much of 
2016. I got flashbacks to 2016 when uh, Hillary Clinton, like when she accepted the nomination and then they had that, they had like a bunch of celebrities singing, this is my fight song, play a video. And it was like that tiled look where they had everybody in different squares, like the Brady Bunch. And that was what this was like too. It was, it was, I don't know, man, Jesus god like it was just <laughs> it's a little cringy i had no idea not it had nothing ter- to do with yeah. utah or government or anything it was just very confusing to me and and they did try to shoehorn some of that utahness in it what they like staged each of the singers there were probably i think there were 12 of them total and they were placed in random places around utah like there's someone in a desert there's someone at the great salt lake and then there was someone in the mountains yeah and then they like had this whole mashup of them all singing the song and then they had these like weird fade effects where it would just be like a shot of like the great salt lake and then someone would just fade into view and they would start singing and it was like yeah it was it was uh it was distressing not to not to rag on any of the people that are in the group they all have great voices yeah talented singers but that and like the echo they had like an echo effect at the beginning where like they would say (laughs) something and then it would be like hey 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 it's just ridiculous yeah yeah, and going back to what you said about the the, the like Hillary Clinton video, th- that I think I think governor or government agencies and the uh, the ceremonies that they hold, they need like a they need like a choreographer, like a creative director uh-huh. or something to like stage some stuff. Like let's let's get more like Utah creatives involved in these like government things because if we're just gonna lean on BYU to be like hey, and I'm sure like and you know no 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 shade at whoever made the video i'm sure it was one of those things where it was like hey you got two weeks to throw together a performance of the song and uh they're just trying to slap things together but man it was it was rough it was a, it was a little cringe yeah, yeah yeah we need to get we need to get like uh i mean i feel like I, I, even even imagine dragons you know yeah they're, get them you know, they have ties to you thought yeah throw them on the stage whatever um it just seems so like yeah, it was yeah. kind of like a high school assembly at certain moments of the of the inauguration, like and and that's not how yeah. it should feel. When 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 we talk about the budget later, it's in double digit billion range. So like maybe just <laughs> maybe borrow some of that money and uh, put something nice together. Yeah, that'd be that'd be awesome if we were like if we uh, if we went through Spencer Cox's budget and there was just a line item in it that said uh, for the twenty twenty four ceremonies with the 2025 ceremonies when we do another inauguration we're going to put aside a million dollars to get t-pain out here <laughs> to do like a performance and MC the whole thing a shot a. maybe maybe yeah maybe you get t-pain uh uh I don't, who, who's the one that does the swearing in is it a judge i think it's a judge yeah i would imagine so if you just need like some kind of religious person we can get we can get t-pain certified yeah but maybe it does have to be a judge anyway um, so, uh, and then, and then right after that, right before they, uh, or they did swear in, uh, Spencer Cox and then they had the, uh, the 19 cannon salute, which was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, they, they announced it. They were like, and now we have this, you know, branch of the government do, or the military doing this, this cannon salute and everyone stood. And then like Spencer Cox stiffens up and he does the salute, which was like, like super dramatic like the way he saluted was so stiff i'm like you lighten up a little bit and then as soon as that happened and i knew they were gonna fire off cannons i immediately went back to this thing that my me and my dad would always laugh about at university of utah football games which is whenever they score they they shoot off a cannon yeah and my dad would always be like watch the crowd 
watch watch the crowd when they fire off this cannon and and if you're just like looking at the a wide shot of the, the stadium they fire off that cannon and you see the stadium collectively like duck <laughs> and like twitch <laughs> and it always scares the shit out of people and i was like sitting there and, and as soon as i knew they were going to start firing off cannons i was watching them really closely and sure enough as soon as they fire off that first cannon deidre henderson just jumps <laughs> well yeah and uh, <laughs> She's had some medical issues in this past year too. Go easy on the woman, man. Like they need to calm down with all the cannons. I know they shot off a cannon because they did like a kind of a tour basically after uh-huh. the inauguration and like went up the I-15 basically. And in Fillmore, they shot off another cannon. I don't I don't know what it is with cannons <laughs> right now, but cannons are in vogue. Yeah. And and yeah, I, you know, if we need like a loud noise if to, to, to ring in a ceremony... We could figure something else out. I guess the cannon is symbolic of something, but man, that, I think cannons are pretty outdated, even as far as like military tactics. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so after that, uh, uh, Spencer Cox did his address to the people, and he put a focus on uh, unity in uncertain times, saying that Utah's best days are ahead of us. Hateful rhetoric dominates our political discourse. We are facing a crisis of empathy, a scourge of contempt. Very little feels united about the United States today. Indeed, it appears that men's and women's hearts are failing them. Now, let me be clear. Conflict and passionate debate around ideas can and is healthy. But contempt and contention will rot the souls of our nation and her people. And this division isn't just ugly or unfortunate. It is dangerous. As one expert recently warned, there is a very good chance that in the next 30 years, we will have a catastrophic failure of our democracy. The reason? We just don't know, he observed, what a democracy looks like when you drain all the trust out of the system. But there is good news. It's not too late to fix this. And Utah is the perfect place to make that happen. Judge Thomas Griffith has given us the formula. If the Constitution of the United States as we know it is to survive, he wrote, then we must inculcate the virtue of civic charity. We must seek to understand one another, to treat each other not as enemies but as friends, and to secure justice for all without demonizing and ostracizing those with whom we disagree. And uh, unity in the kind of mend of the political divide has always been a talking point of his, even when he was campaigning. We all remember the like Apple-esque commercial that he yeah. did with uh, Chris Peterson, where they were, uh, and, you, know, went, you know, went viral and then everyone started making fun of it. And you know what? That cheesiness is what I think we need here in Utah. Sure. I think we need a little bit more of that, that, that cheesiness. I think that you kind of hit the nail on the head when you called out the drama of his salute. Like, this inauguration cemented the idea in my brain that like whether he was actually or not spencer cox is a theater kid at heart there was like nine different songs during this inauguration there was the dramatic salute i know he got teary-eyed a few times which is you know i would probably too if i like hit my like life's culmination but you know definitely a, a theater kid at heart yeah. And that, that really, I, I didn't put it into the show prep, but I don't know if you caught the, uh, the uh, like sign on thing that they do with the Utah highway patrol. Mm-mm. Did you see that? So 
at the end of the ceremony, and I don't know if this is tradition, I'm, I think it might be, if, uh, if, if you haven't seen this before, I, I was kind of familiar with this tradition with police who are retiring from the force. So you can look these videos up on YouTube. They're kind of uh, crybaby fodder. Like they're mm -hmm. those videos that you watch and you kind of get choked up because they're kind of emotional. And, and what happens is like when a police officer retires or something and they're, and they're leaving their final shift, they do like a radio call and they do their final sign off. And like the dispatcher says something. And then I think cops who are listening in will say stuff over the radio to them, basically like congratulating and stuff like that. And they did something similar to where as soon as the ceremony was over, Spencer Cox walked out to the parking lot where they had this Utah highway patrol car. And he's like, car number one to, you know, dispatch or whatever. And they were like, this is Spencer J. Cox, you know, signing on for duty. <laughs> and dispatch was like, you know, we'd like to welcome the 18th governor of the, uh, of the state of Utah. And even that, like when he was trying to get those lines out across the radio, he was like choking up and stuff. And I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I kind of like that. I kind of like that the radio thing. Um, so yeah, this, 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 like this constant uh, talking point that he has of like bridging the political divide. It sounds so nuts, especially given the last week. And, mm -hmm. and, and this inauguration was two days before everything yeah. that happened at the U S Capitol. So, um, but he's, but he, but he leans into it time and time again. And I genuinely think that he like, he, he means it when he says that, that he's like, he wants to figure out ways to make communication more productive between people who disagree politically. And I think, yeah, like, like you said, him being a theater kid, I, I there is like a theater to all politics. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, I mean, that's, that's why politics is such a circus because you have everyone saying things on a podium and then they go off and just do horrid things in their free time or when the doors are closed. And I just don't think he's that kind of guy. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think he's got any weird skeletons in his closet. Like that's kind of the, that's the kind of thing I like about like, you know, cheesy Mormon leaders mm -hmm. is that they're not going to do any, anything insane and crazy. They might be stuffy. They might be maybe behind the times because of the influences of, you know, whatever religion or however um, their religion has like influenced their conservatism. But I'm not worried about some gigantic corrupt scandal for money from this no. guy, you know? No, I'm with uh, you. Yeah. So uh, during uh, his inauguration, as he spoke up about uh, unity, at that very moment, as he was giving that speech, there was a whole group of goofballs <laughs> sitting outside Tuvacon, uh, protesting, uh, voicing their concerns about stuff. Yeah, I'm not I even think... Really sure what. I think the masks masks were an issue for them still, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, like, but I think that that's all I really could tell. I think they probably wanted to get a word in about Trump maybe winning, um, mm -hmm. but I'm not sure other than that, like, you know. Yeah, that there's, there's a great video of the, so like, I actually hadn't heard about this at all. I don't think any, and, and rightly, kind of rightly so, like we're kind of sick of hearing about it, but like no huge news, uh, places in uh or new news outlets in, in utah really picked this up and um so i found the video on just a small youtube channel called community community education channel and i'm not sure if they're based in utah or where this 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 uh outlet is from 
but they covered the protests and they did like these interviews with um, all of the Trump supporters. <laughs> well, I mean, I, that's, and that's what I, I like, that's all I can call them. I didn't even want to say Trump's name, but like they're all covered yeah. in garb. And then they're voicing opinions that really have nothing to do with the federal government. And they're voicing them at our governor. And not only that, but they're all saying like different things. They're like, we're here for this. And he's like, well, I'm here for this. And um, it's just a circus. And it's just the, they you, took our yeah. job South Park thing. Like as you go further and further down the line, it just goes from, they took our jobs to Dr. Kerr. So, yeah. you know, who knows? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, that, it, it reminds me of that other day. There was another video that came out earlier with one of those uh, kind of protests down in, in, in St. George. And the uh, the newsreel like cut to this interview of a kid. It was like a little kid who was like five years old, <laughs> and he's talking to the camera, and he's like, "Like uh, the regular flu kills more people than the China flu." <laughs> and you're like, "Was this kid fact checking things? Like, where's this kid getting this? <laughs> Why are we talking to this kid? And who's indoctrinating this kid?" Um, it's all silly. I think, yeah, yeah. Southern Utah is kind of a mess right now with everything that's going on. And they're about to lose their precious uh, university name, so it's gonna be it's gonna be hectic down there. Yeah. So that was about uh, that's about all that happened in the inauguration. Other than that, I guess, so David Archuleta performed. I didn't again. I, yeah, theater kids. Yeah, man. I couldn't. Yeah, I, I I tapped out of that pretty quick. I'm like, yeah. man, they just really need to get like uh, an events budget going on with these things. Uh, so. Inaugurated January 4th. Since then, he's released a few plans, um, including his budget recommendations for the fiscal year. And I think this is the thing to look at when you're like, okay, he's, he's talking the talk, now let's walk the walk. Well, look, read the document. He just released a budget for the fiscal year and you can go through it. It's public record. You can see what he's trying to focus on. Um, and already, as I, was, as I was reading this and I was reading the news outlets that was, were publishing stories about the budget, there were people in the comments just completely misinterpreting what he was saying and i'm like does nobody read this stuff yeah it's like go, go you don't even have, it has a table of contents mm -hmm. you don't need to read the whole thing look at the it's, things you're concerned about it's got a nice infographic just on like page two as well that like i yeah. think really kind of breaks down where the bigger chunks are kind of going it doesn't get into the finer details as much but i mean if you're really that concerned you can't get to page two i don't know yeah yeah, and it goes to show how much creativity and, and graphic design can uh, can help governmental issues. We need more infographics. That's right. We need more government budget for infographics and design work in these boring-ass documents. I'm a huge fan of infographics. Me too. And uh, so uh, let's take a look at some of the bullet points of Spencer Cox's budget plan. So education. Basically, the uh, finer points of his, his education plan, uh, it puts the focus on educators themselves allocating $112 million for school-level staff and teacher bonuses, more focus on at-risk and rural students, $50 million for pandemic response, emphasis on computer science for all. Um, and then he had a couple bullet points at the bottom that kind of highlighted their efforts, uh, which include opportunities for each student including those with fewer built-in advantages to obtain the quality education necessary to succeed in post-secondary pursuits and strengthen society, significant investment in public education to ensure Utah students lead the nation in achievement, meaningful local exibility with funding to address unique local needs, 
and local accountability that enables the public and policymakers to clearly understand the use and return of the public's investment. Um, this was one of the things that people were automatically kind of misunderstanding in like the KSL comments of it all. Mm -hmm. They were like, um, they were like, we're already spending too much money on education. We need to cut money for education and have them pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Oh man, and I think we are one of the lowest even... spending states in the entire United States on education. So yeah, yikes. people, <laughs> yeah, people don't really don't understand that. And honestly, like this is the best way in in my eyes, because like if someone said, you know, we don't need two, we don't need two hundred million dollars to go into education, so every student can have an iPad. I agree with that. We don't need iPads in students' hands to learn things. Books work pretty well and have worked pretty well for a long time. The biggest difference, at least in my personal experience, and I'm sure people listening probably have had the same experience before, but if you were ever struggling in school or if there was a hurdle you were trying to get over, the difference wasn't the school or the equipment that you had, but it was the teacher. Mm -hmm. If any, any time that I, I got over a hurdle in, in school, it was because there was a teacher or a counselor who was pushing me. And to put that money directly into the pockets of teachers, I think is like a really good move. Yeah, I think that he specifically stated in one of his press releases that he wants to make teaching a destination job. And yeah. I think that that, like I know people who would love to teach, but who didn't teach because it's just kind of a bullshit job. I know I have, yeah. I have friends who are teachers that spend money out of their own pockets for supplies for mm. students because they aren't given yeah. the money at the beginning of the year. And so this increase, which I think, unless I'm totally misunderstanding things, I believe the, the budget increases our education spending by almost half a billion dollars in total mm -hmm. is amazing. I think, I think that's how you yeah. come. That's how you directly combat idiots on KSL saying that people should pull yeah. themselves up by their bootstraps. So I'm yeah. down with it. Watch, Yeah. We start, we start, um, we start giving, teachers bonuses and then all of a sudden 20 years down the road ksl's comment section starts to become more productive yeah exactly that's how it works um <laughs> it's the butterfly effect yeah <laughs> um uh rural development so uh he he outlined some plans to uh increase the budget of rural development that includes 125 million dollars for rural in infrastructure and of that 125 million dollar budget um $69 million for rural infrastructure revolving loan funds, uh, $50 million for broadband, specifically with broadband. I feel like we're, we're slowly getting to a point where internet just needs to be free. Oh, and right? I'm, I wrote the exact same thing. I wrote, I don't want to get too crazy, but I think the internet should be a human right. <laughs> right. Like, especially it's, yeah. it is, it's, it's like, an impair like it's imperative to our way of living right now, especially in 2020 when everybody is forced to either be on school online or partially online or do a lot yeah. of homework online. Um, it's it's something that should be. South Korea has their entire country wired for broadband, and I don't always want to bring up yeah. South Korea as like the example because they're just exemplary. Uh, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like. I think that that's a great use of money to, to add broadband to rural communities and all of the infrastructure enhancements too seem to be a great thing. Um, when I was reading that article on the Tribune, it said that he went to literally every single town and city in the state of Utah. And that was when he was like, mm -hmm. wow, 
these roads are shit obviously he didn't yeah. say shit he would, might pass yeah, out yeah. but but <laughs> like i think that that stuff's important and we're never gonna know that we're, we're not the people going to these towns so like i think yeah. that that's great too and he loves he loves to shout out that rural you know that's his buzzword mm-hmm. he could just hashtag rural rural yeah and yeah yeah i yeah i agree the 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 internet should be free and I think we're slowly moving there. And I think Utah could be one of those places that like sets the example for that um, down the line. So $50 million for broadband. We're getting rural areas wired up. Uh, $6 million for electric vehicle charging stations. Um, and $8 million for rural county economic development grants. So he wants to put more electric cars in rural Utah. Um, and he wants to encourage people that run these rural towns to step up, say what you're going to do with your town and you'll get some money for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I think this emphasis on, on rural development actually is, is, is good. I'm sorry. I I don't know how many times Mm -hmm. I can hear rural. Like it's starting to sound like a fake rural, rural. Yeah. Yeah. Rural. (laughs) Rural. I don't know how to say it now. We just call it the sticks, the sticks. We're going to put broadbands in the sticks. That's right. Um, no, yeah, yeah, and I, that's a, and I, and I know he he comes from the sticks. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's why you know why it's like a a, a point of emphasis for him. Um, but I agree. There's if you, I you know I implore people to go out and spend time in the sticks. <laughs> I keep almost <laughs> saying rural. I don't want to say it rural. anymore. Rural. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go out and and spend time. Like it, uh, if if you go down to like uh. Uh, Springfield or uh, um, even there's like this tiny town near Price called Helper Mm -hmm. which is like have you ever been there it's just a bustling art community now isn't it yeah yeah they got like like last time I was there we were just driving through and we stopped for gas or something and there's this little coffee shop that I like and I stopped there and then we were walking around the main street there in Helper and there was this brand new art building and mm-hmm. it like looked really new. It almost looked like an Apple store or something. And um, it was, it hadn't been finished yet. And there were some people working on it. We were asking them about it and um, they told us what was going on. And we were like, this is really cool. They just like, they got an art community going on down here. And um, so, yeah, there's a lot of really cool places like that around Utah. And um, I think it's important. I think, I think people in Salt Lake County, as a resident of Salt Lake County, I think we can be a little up our own asses sometimes. Sure. Um, Don't like the smell of cows. Just, yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm down. I'm down to uh, put some more money in the sticks. Uh, prisons. So the governor further recommends fully uh, restoring $3.1 million from the 2020 general session to reinstate all funded positions for adult probation and parole community case management to help alleviate significant caseload uh, the current staff faces due to more to, due to higher intensity individuals. Um, so basically what he's outlining and there's a a few pages in his budget about this um the gist of it is essentially that he's trying to fight the revolving door prison system and that they're trying to organize um prisons to keep their any 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 again he had some infographics that uh showed um how we're actually we actually are seeing like a steady decline and and covid was kind of partially uh, responsible for that. They were trying to let more nonviolent offenders and stuff out um, and, and reassess their sentences. But um, he wants to keep prison 
population's low. And um, I can't remember what the, I, I should have written it down, but there was a, a um, administration or a, a group that he was working with to figure out a plan. And they basically came up with four different departments where they're gonna put focus on, on keeping the prison population low, the local criminal justice coordination. And their, their job is to uh, coordinate bodies in counties and regions to increase, in, to increase information flow. So communication, no entry, improve service system that keeps individuals out of the criminal justice system and help those within it to avoid the cycle of incarceration. Uh, impl implementation fidelity, apply recommendations of audit of, of the audit with an emphasis on evidence-based supervision, treatment practices, and data sharing, uh, basically just transparency, um, and redefining success and recidivism, develop new measures to capture outcomes in the criminal justice system with an emphasis on promoting success. So they're redefining what success in the prison system is. And I think before maybe it was just catching the criminal and getting them in. And it's like, mm -hmm. ah, success. And yeah. we kind of forget about them. Um, and this is something that like, actually, I think has been a huge problem in, you know, nationwide. And so, and, and again, I didn't read any of this part of his plan in any of the, the uh, local outlets. They weren't really talking about it. But when I dug into it, the, the, the budget myself, I saw this and I was like, oh, I'm really down for that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think that it all kind of feeds into each other too. Like that's what I kind of, I mean, I, it's obvious when I say it out loud, but when I was looking through the budget, it kind of, you know, showed itself to me that, oh, he wants to increase our education, which would lower and, you know, theoretically lower, uh, mm -hmm. lower poverty, which would lower prison system, you know, the attendance, attendance, Jesus Christ, um, <laughs> the number of people incarcerated. And so, yeah, I mean, I do think all of it is kind of this nice little system that is feeding into each other. Um, and mm -hmm. And yeah, I didn't actually read too deep into the prison section though. So you just informed me of a lot of things. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. And just that, yeah. And and it's and it seemed and most of it, there wasn't a ton in there about the the allocation of the I mean, obviously he said 3.1 million dollars going to in, in this to this effort, but it was more like keeping people employed because there's a lot of turnover right now within uh, the, the the prison and judicial system. And we saw a news story earlier this week that we've seen like a huge number of police officers that have been resigning and leaving the force. And so a lot of that is more like we're going to competitively pay um, people that work in prisons to stay stay with us because turnover actually costs us more. Um, but in in that, you know, in paying money to the prison system, we're actually going to redefine the whole prison system, prison system with an emphasis on transparency. So we're, we're open about the data, how many people we have coming in, how many people we have coming out. Are these people violent offenders? Are they nonviolent offenders? If they're nonviolent, then they go on this path. And that path points towards re rehabilitation. And I think that's the move. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, a Utah favorite, Parks and Recreation. Uh, in his efforts to improve open spaces and outdoor activities, the budget outlines $125 million for open spaces, trails, and parks. Um, they have an intention of getting Utah to uh, 1,000 miles of hiking trails by 2027. As Do you well know what we're currently at? 
Uh, I think when I read that, they needed about 700 more. Wow. So, and I, and I could be wrong. I got to double check on that. But I think it was like 700. Like they needed 700 more to get to 1,000 miles of um, hiking trails by 2027. And mm. I think this was a goal that was established previously, but maybe wasn't being taken too seriously. Um, but now he wants to solve that. Um, and then uh, another $50 million to address Wasatch Canyon transportation issues, which seems like a problem I've been hearing about my entire life. Yeah, just, for sure. If you're, yeah, if you're a skier or snowboarder, just like the transportation up and down Canyon sucks really bad. Um, and he wants to address that. Well, I just feel like specifically Ogden Canyon has been under construction for my entire life. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. That's, that's a very yeah. specific one. That's like a one lane for pretty mm -hmm. much the whole thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm always down for some, for less traffic always. Yeah, for sure. And um, so, yeah, big, big chunk of that is going to go towards, you know, parks, maintaining and creating more parks. And also I think on Twitter today, they announced that uh, Deidre Henderson was going to lead the point project. I don't know if you oh, saw that. Interesting. So I'll have yeah. to send her my, uh, my uh, thoughts about the Utah chargers. Yeah. Yeah. The Utah chart, we could, we could create uh, under the, the Holy hive umbrella. We can create a formal proposal that we send over to her. That's right. I still want to yeah, create a stadium, create a central park, a Utah central park, and then have a little stadium in there, mm -hmm. get the Utah chargers in there. Um, yeah. So, uh, big fan of all the parks and recreation budget budgeting. There was a, there was an, um, a chunk of that, I think about $7 million that was going towards a a fund that is for maintaining land and stuff like that. And he had a, a figure in there that said um, that this, this fund is, has been underfunded for so many years and they haven't been able to preserve a lot of these spaces. And so they're putting a little bit of emphasis on getting them some more money. So that's awesome. I love yeah, it. Absolutely. I think uh, the budget was nice stuff. Yeah. So in conclusion to all this brand new governor, we know kind of what he's aiming towards. Uh, what are your feelings about this this uh, administration? I like both of them, honestly. Like on a <clears throat> on what seems to be a personal level, uh, they both seem they both seem engaged um, and yeah. happy to kind of interact with both constituents online and in person. Um, mm -hmm. They seem dedicated. Like you cannot you can't look look at Spencer Cox who drives from Fairview an hour and a half to Salt Lake every day for work and say that that's not a dedicated individual. Like, yeah. I think, I think that that's awesome. Um, specifically with Cox, he has, you know, shown, I've seen like growth on a personal level from him and like the ability to admit when he either held the wrong opinion or said the wrong thing. Um, mm -hmm. Like if, if you haven't seen his uh, speech at the 2016 pride, um, that's something to, to seek out. I think that shows what kind of person he is. He's, he was a very emotional talk where he, he talked about some of his own biases and, and how they were wrong and, and all that sort of stuff. So I really like yep. the both of them. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, I didn't vote for Spencer Cox, just me neither in, in, in light of transparency. And, um, but with the, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to be open-minded, especially since like, if, if, if we can't find middle grounds, then we get stuck with extremes and we know how that goes. And so I'm, I'm willing to be open-minded about this administration, especially since like, I think the bar's kind of low with our 
previous governor. Yeah. Uh, this is a, not to shit on Gary Herbert, whatever. He's out of there. He's probably going to retire fat and rich and <laughs> yeah. the rest of his days in comfort. But um, yeah, I just, I, I, I really do appreciate uh, local politicians who are willing to grow and aren't really ashamed to do that growing in public because that thing, I, especially now with uh, a lot of politicians kind of reassessing where they are on, on the political spectrum and who they're aligning with and who are the enemies and allies. I think it's important for um, politicians to grow publicly. But having said that, I think it's important for citizens to give them the room and space to grow publicly. Yeah. And I think, I think, I think we, we owe them a couple years of, uh, you know, let's just see how you do. If they, if they're, if they're being honest about um, opening up the, communication lines between citizens and the government, then we have to be willing to come to that communication line, um, willing to be productive and not just scream things at someone. And if we scream stuff at them and they come back and they're like, well, here's the solution. We can't just start poking holes in it. We have to, we have yeah. to be able to find them and talk about things productively. And guess what? Since we're talking about state politics, which is all I really care about talking about on this podcast, we have a chance because- we're like, really, we only have to worry about these two. It's just mm -hmm. Cox and Henderson. I mean, yeah, you could dig into like your own individual city councils and stuff like that. And actually you probably have a lot of luck and progress in doing that, but um, we don't have to, we don't have to focus on politicians as like celebrities of the media where something crazy happens and we're like, oh, did you hear what this person said about it? Or oh, mm -hmm. did you hear that person flipped? And it's just, so it's just such nonsense as we've learned over the past few months how big of a circus the federal government is so like if we're if we're, if we're starting 21 off 2021 off with a clean slate if we have a new administration a little on the younger side they know how to use twitter productively let's give them a chance let's just try to talk let's just yeah. try to figure it out you know i will be interested so i'll be interested to see like how spencer cox reacts to anger or like adversity you know what i mean like because I think yeah. it's it's bound to happen at some point. His constituents are going to be upset with him, whether that is on the right yeah. or that is on the left. He's going to upset someone, and I really hope yeah. that he doesn't take like true, valid criticism as being divisive. Um, yeah, and I, like I know that he kind of went down that path when uh, one of our lawmakers tried to withhold the fifteen hundred dollar bonus from Salt Lake teachers because they weren't teaching in person. Um, Mm -hmm. And and I really hope he doesn't try to undercut people with like quirky GIF usage, which he has done on Twitter. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, but I, but I do think I do, I agree with you. They deserve a chance, and uh, I'm excited to to see what they can do. I mean, Deidre Henderson, her suit game is fucking strong. She has not worn a yeah, bad suit you know yet. So yeah, we could we could we could start a whole series of blogs about Deidre Henderson's fashion style. That's right. And 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 and. and um, you know, maybe we could celebrate, celebritize our, 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 our government a little bit, you know, in that, in that realm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that'd be, that'd be kind of funny. We just start having holy high paparazzi. That's right. Outside the governor's mansion, you know, stuff like that. You're so, looking great. Cox went on a run. He's wearing ultra boosts. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I honestly, if you can, if you can focus in, if you can kind of, um, if, if you can block out all of the, insane noise going on all over the country and focus on what's going on here i think 
one, you're going to be happier. Um, and two, it, once you start thinking about what our local leaders are doing and how that's going to affect you directly, first of all, the, 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 the cause and effect happens a lot faster because Capitol Hill's a hop, skip, and a jump from where we're at right now. Um, I, I think you're going to find that your engagement with politics is going to be a lot more productive and a lot more fulfilling, even if the people who aren't on your team are running the state, you know, give them a chance. And because I know if, if, if in my lifetime, we see a democratic uh, governor in Utah, uh, the first thing that Democrats and, and liberals are going to say is give him a chance, let them, <laughs> let them talk. Let's just hear some of his ideas and stuff. And we just have to be willing to do that right now. And as you know, a lot of, I've gotten to know a lot of local leaders from outside states in this chaos that's been happening over the past couple of weeks, just based on reputation and what they've been saying in the media and stuff. And I have to say, we could do a lot worse than we had than, than we're doing with Cox and Henderson. And I think even framing it that way is doing them a little bit of a disservice. Like true. we're, 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 we're going to do, we're going to be okay here. Very true. All right. Well, uh, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Holy Hive show. We had to kind of just get all of the politics out this week because it was just kind of, I mean, we, we tried as hard as we could to stay away from federal, federal politics, but we, we thought it was important to just go over this and lay it out. Um, and uh, so next week we're going to be uh, moving on to other cultural things that aren't pol politic related. And uh, so we hope you uh, tune in for that next week. Uh, until then, give us a follow on uh, Instagram and Twitter at Holy Hive Utah and uh, give the podcast a follow on Spotify if that's where you listen. Anything else, Dan? I think that'll just about do it. Everybody uh, enjoy your week and uh, hold out for that vaccine, I guess. <laughs>